Hello and welcome to the second H2P podcast this weekend on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. This is Gary, your host. With me as always is Corey Crisson, the beat writer over at DK Pittsburgh Sports for Pitt Athletics. Just got done watching, uh, well, I'm sure it's not this game in particular that you just finished up watching, but Pitt Xavier uh, this afternoon as Pitt fell 84-73 was the final and Corey, they didn't quit, man. All season long, they didn't quit. And in this game, they didn't quit. They had every reason to down 20. And they kept fighting. Did you expect this team to go out kicking and screaming? Because I didn't. And they didn't. And all good things must come to an end at some point, for better or worse. Of course, 84-73 right there. Xavier over Pitt in the NCAA tournament round of 32 here. You know, Pitt wins two NCAA tournament games. They make it this far. We talked about it a little bit in the show after the win over Iowa State. You know, we sat here after the one and three and after certain stretches of the season and said Pitt was going to make it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. You'd probably thought I was crazy, but Pitt did that. And after the game in the locker room, you know, I went straight to the locker room, didn't even think to go into the press conference just because. I wanted to get the feel of what was going on in there. And obviously players were upset. Obviously players were sad. There were tears flowing for sure, but I'm going to write more about this soon. The best part about what transpired in, in, in all of that chaos, right? With all the emotions flowing, just getting over a loss. Everybody talked about, just the love that the team had for each other, and that's the thing they're going to miss the most. And it's true. You saw it in their play. You saw it from the captains like Jamarius Burton. You saw it from the seniors, Nellie Cummings, Greg Elliott, Nike Sabandi, of course, Aiden Fish, who's been through hell and high water with that team. Yeah. So that's the worst thing about this is that, yeah, they lost the basketball game, but this is the end of the road for those seniors that – were so proud of the way that they took off with this, not rebuild, it's a build, as Jeff Capel would say it. And obviously, Pitt will still be fine down the road. There are good recruits coming in. Blake Henson's coming back, and that's going to be a joy for everybody. So while it is disappointing in a way, while it is upsetting in many ways that Pitt is now out, there's still a lot to be happy with, a lot to be excited with, and a lot of really fond memories that this team created that they'll be remembered for something. I don't know what it is, but this team will be remembered for something down the road. Yeah, it was, it was good, man. And I think good signs all in all from Jeff Capel this year, he did a great job putting that, that team together. I, I, I made a joke the other day, I think on Twitter that was almost like an Island of misfit toys. And he just brought them all together and kind of, made them into something it it was a great job can he repeat it that's the big million dollar multi-million dollar some would say question going forward is this a one and done thing or is this going to be the actual start and the continuation perhaps of something that is long term however long term is whether it's three years four years five years however long it needs to be was this just a blip or is this the start of a trend in the right direction for Pitt basketball? The recruiting class is good. That's coming in. 
you know, Pitt is losing four of its top six, which we could get way more into throughout the offseason and maybe even in this show if we feel the need. But the development of Federico, the development of the Twins, having a guy like Blake Henson kind of being like the fan favorite now, you know, he's going to be the guy that this team leans on next season. And then you bring in Dior Johnson, you get a healthy Will Jeffries, you bring in these three freshmen that are coming in for the 23 class that are really darn good. So you would think that on paper, Pitt would have a little bit, you know, more to play for next season. They won't be ranked 14th in the ACC, I'll tell you that. And we'll see where we're at one year from now when it comes down to March 19th of 2024. But on March 19th, 2023, we'll take the chance to reflect on the Panthers and exactly what was built and how they came to be this season. So let's touch on the game a little bit. Um, Xavier's guards matched up really well against Pitt's guards, I thought. And Xavier's big is a little more seasoned than Pitt's bigs. And (laughs) it kind of just looked that way. I didn't really think it was a particularly sloppy game by, by Pitt. I didn't think it was a particularly good shooting day for either team really uh, early, except for uh, the one guy for savior, his name Tunkle, escapes yeah. me right now. Yeah. Adam was, everything he touched went in, mm-hmm. but all in all, I thought it was a pretty well-played game besides some excellent hot streaks from a few Xavier players. You know, all the credit in the world goes to Sean Miller, of course, former pit player, Western Pennsylvania native. He drew up wonderfully schemed just ways to get Jack Nungy open, the center. And there were, I counted, four instances in the first half in which Nungy would come set a high screen. He would roll back, backwards, almost backside of the basket. And there would be either an alley-oop or just a pass right there waiting for him near the rim. And on a few of those occasions, Guillermo, of course, starting for Federico, just didn't get back. He didn't hedge the screen in time. And Xavier took advantage of some slow feet for Pitt. I mean, let's be honest. They took advantage. It looked like at quite a few times and really throughout the majority of the game up until about the last, I would say, eight minutes or so, where Xavier just looked one step ahead of Pitt at all times. And that's not to bash Pitt in a way. We know their defense has not been solid really since the Virginia Tech loss, and I still am on the gravy train that that loss to Virginia Tech was kind of like the start of the end in a way, based on just how you could pick Pitt apart. Like Virginia Tech figured out the blueprint. And a lot of teams, if you look at these losses that Pitt had from that point, were basically on the same formula. But Xavier to give them all the credit in the world, is more talented than any team Pitt has faced really since Duke. And you can count the ECC tournament and the meeting out in Cameron. But the way that Xavier was just able to run out ahead of Pitt, they ran him down. They they bodied him underneath. Federico only played one minute, and Jeff Cable explained that after, that you know he saw Federico limping didn't think he was 100% and didn't want to risk anything long-term. So in that regard, you don't want to risk the long-term health, potential ACL tear of your center of the future. And, you know, Xavier takes advantage of a lack of bodies underneath. It was Guillermo and Jorge rotating in at the five-all game. So yeah. credit Xavier, they're deep. 
They Sole Boom didn't even have his best game, and he still found a way to put 14 points on the board. He had seven. He had seven free throws. I believe it was seven of eight of his free throws. So right. Sole Boom, the all Big East guard, still found a way to make an impact. Of course, Nunji. He hit five of his threes in the first half. He went five for five. He missed all three of his threes in the second half. But four out of his five threes came within the final seven minutes of the first half. And I wrote about this in a freeze frame column. Every three that Nunji hit extended Xavier's lead to more in increments. And the final three came with like a minute 29 to go in the first half. And that took Xavier's lead to 19 before Pitt finished with a 5-0 run to close the half. Pitt did not get on runs in the first half. Their longest run was of five points. They did it twice. They got a 5-0 run to start the game and a 5-0 run to close the first half. And then they had, I believe it was a 10-0 run in the middle of the second half. So Pitt really just couldn't find those stretches. You know, they say basketball is a game of runs, and unfortunately for Pitt, they weren't able to get theirs. Well, we got to take a quick break, but before we do, I think it's important to point out those things that got exposed by Virginia Tech were the things that we were surprised they were getting away with before. <laughs> and so it it's it's kind of uh, it's good to know that like eventually the basketball gods do come to get you when you do have something that's exploitable. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll break this down a little bit more. Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you. And Corey, I thought it'd be cool if we kind of just did a quick look back over the season here. Kind of the way the team trended up and down on on different facets of the game as we went through the season. You know, I thought around the three-quarter pull, there was a real sweet spot where the offense and defense were working together really well. Very dominated by guard play. Then we started to see center play kind of start to take over a little bit more and more as Fetty started to mature and so did Guillermo a little bit. How do you think that that they transition this offense next year with the parts you do know about? You know something? I thought from the point of the ACC tournament, it was interesting that Pitt didn't take as many threes as they did throughout the course of the season. From the Georgia Tech game in the ACC tournament, start the ACC tournament, through the Xavier game, they only took 20 or more threes once, and that was today against Xavier. They made six of them. And that was desperation. Mostly. Mostly. And when I think about, like, the surgeons of Federico and the surgeons of the Twins late season, that obviously has something to do with that. But... This team leaned on finesse. They leaned on their guards all season. They leaned on production from Jamarius Burton and his ability to create. They leaned on Nellie Cummings to create and score. They leaned on Nike Sabandi, the sixth man of the year in the ACC, to come in and provide instant offense from any angle. He was basically a JB2 in a way. And then you look at Greg Elliott, who – for better or worse, let's be frank, has been this team's spot three-point shooter this season. And when Greg gets on and he's hot, he's hard to stop. But as we saw throughout the latter stages of the season, in quite a few instances, 
he was not hot and he was not on. And yeah. therefore, it might have affected the rest of his game. Now, the way that I see this pit team like evolving throughout the year in in somewhat of a fashion, and we didn't really talk about this after the Iowa State win, but knowing that John Hughley was not coming back from the knee injury, yeah, and then right. obviously he had his personal issue to deal with that he took time away from the team from. He left the team in January. Knowing that John wasn't coming back, knowing that Will Jeffries wasn't coming back because of the foot surgery, Jeff Capel had to adjust his rotations, his schemes, everything. And you noticed the three-point shots tick up. You noticed they started to let Jamarius go ISO quite a bit. You noticed that Nelly was more of a pure point guard and more of a pure passer. Like, I thought this team did such a great job of adapting once John, not just after the time he went out. He played eight games, but also from the time that they really discovered that John was out for the season. And that came in mid-January against Georgia Tech. We were down in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, January 14th. Pitt in that game took 23s, okay? Over the next four games, the lowest number of threes they took was 22. They took 34 threes at Louisville, 28 versus Florida State, 37 against Wake Forest. They made 18 of those, by the way, almost 50%. 22 against Miami. They went down, they took 19 threes against North Carolina, and then against Louisville, Florida State, and Boston College after that, they took 31, 31, and 25 threes in those games. Wow. So, again, that is after the fact that Pitt found out that John was leaving the program. We didn't know at the time he was transferred away, of course. This just was the temporary, I put that in air quotes, leave. But the way that Pitt cognizantly figured it out offensively, the way they readjusted and adapted was impressive, and the success they had with it was also relatively impressive. Now, how does this affect next year? Dior Johnson's coming back. Will Jeffries will be back. You get Jalen Lowe, Marlon Barnes, Carlton Carrington throughout the freshman. Like, there's good guard play coming back again next year. I would think Jeff Capel has to go back into the portal to get one, maybe two guards to join them, just to supplement, quite frankly, to supplement the losses. You're losing Nellie Cummings, Nike Sabandi, Greg Elliott, Jamarius Burton. You're losing your four top, essentially, backcourt producers right there. Yeah. And you're getting in Dior, Carrington, and Lowe. Barnes is more of a forward, so you're going to need that fourth piece somewhere. So where does it come into play? That's where you have to look if you're Jeff Capel in the offseason now. Interesting, man. Interesting, because, you know, I wonder with Fetty emerging and Guillermo kind of emerging in the tournament a little bit, how do those two fit together on the court? You know, you kind of are going to want to play both of them, you know, and you can split minutes. You can let them be more aggressive, taking fouls and everything. But those two, man, that's an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. If Guillermo can get a little stronger on the ball because he he likes to try to run the lane sometimes and he will shoot a three, boy, wouldn't he be an interesting forward? He a hundred percent would be, but I would here's why I would argue against doing that. Unless Jeff Capel goes back into the portal and finds another center, okay, or another forward, let's say six eight six nine six ten and above forward center. Like, do you want to move Blake Hinson back to the three just for the sake of playing Federico 
and one of the twins in the starting lineup. He could do that, obviously, but is that the right call? Is that a good idea? Rather than, let's say the starting five sitting right here, okay, March 19, 2023, just after Pitt loses the tournament. Let's say the starting five, as we sit here for next year, is Dior, Lowe, Hinson, Federico, and then do you fill that fifth slot in with the transfer guard? Do you fill that fl- fifth slot in with the twin? What do you do with that fifth slot? Or is right. it Will Jeffries that comes in to start? Because that's also be. a possibility. It could be Will Jeffries. My my five as of right now, knowing that no transfers are like officially, you know, as obviously the portal hasn't opened yet. Like Dior, Lowe, Jeffries, Hinson, Federico. I think that's a fine five to have next year. If you want to go that route, if you're Jeff Capel, he could also keep Hinson at the three, maybe play Jeffries off the bench because Capel has said he thinks Will's his best defender. So do you play Hinson at the four, Fetty at the five? Do you play Fetty at the five, Guillermo at the four, Hinson at the three? Like the options that Jeff Capel has for next year, just based on the paper right now that Pitt has – it's it's huge and that's phenomenal to have and that's that's a good problem to have. But we'll see what happens with the offseason now in the transfer portal because I still like I said earlier, I my first instinct is to believe that Jeff Cable would go in and get two guards out of it. So he could have the front court as Guillermo Federico Jorge, however you want to arrange it, to go along with Blake Hinson, to go along with a, uh, a Will Jeffries. So there's a lot of options for this team. And that's why you have to feel good about the future of this team because, you know, some of these cast and characters that came were here this year. I mean, Federico has two seasons left. Blake has one. The Twins have three. And yeah. then Will Jeffries has three. So, super, super interesting, man. And Dior like, has four. And Dior has four. Yeah. And, I, you know, we obviously can't roll out transfers going the other direction either. Sure. I know we just talked about what a close team it is and everything, but you know, you, you get done with school, you leave school, maybe you start thinking. You never, you never, you don't know who's in your ear. Yeah, you know? <laughs> we right. can see what happens, but right now it's just it's super interesting to think about because you're right. Those first three games, you know, they had no idea what kind of offense they were trying to be, you know, <laughs> and then they had to change it on the fly and. And then they had to change again because of another injury because they were starting to flow with Federico too. So super, super interesting stuff. And I love it. We should probably take another break. Come back. Let's talk a little wrestling. Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan, again with Corey Christen, who has just done a great job covering this basketball team this year. So just for me, before we touch on wrestling, congratulations to this basketball team. I didn't see it coming. I'm happy to admit how wrong I was about this basketball team. Thank you for a great season as a fan, I have to say. Man, I'm right there with you as a reporter. Just getting to know 
these players and their stories. Uh, and I could have a whole show on just the individual stories of these guys. You know, Blake Hinson is a perfect just microcosm of this whole thing. Being a castaway and being injured at Iowa State, coming here and finding a home. Everybody loves the guy. You know, Jamarius Burton, the roads that he's traveled at Wichita and Texas and Texas Tech and suffering knee injuries and, you know, Nellie Cummings coming back home to kind of complete a mission, so to speak. Greg Elliott coming here to for his own unfinished business, getting the twins, getting Federico. Like, the twins, the twins story in, in and of themselves, the way that Jeff Capel talked about how he went down to IMG Academy. This was Tim O'Toole's passion project, going to IMG Academy to scout these two. And Capel, just like on the official visit, he was like, their parents are split and like the step-parents were cool with each other. Like, that's how cool <laughs> the family is. He's, I'm serious. That's basically what Capel said. And like just the joy that the two twins have and the energy and how infectious everything was and what they brought and like Nike Sabandi and the story that he's been coming back, Miami of Ohio transfer, tearing his ACL against Gannon of all teams last year in the exhibition, doesn't yeah. play last year, was going to start and everything, and then swallows his pride and becomes the sixth man of the year of the ACC. Like every player on this team has their own individual story that is just so awesome. Like even down to Will Jeffries, who spent – all season on the bench, couldn't play because he broke his foot. The way that he impacted the team. And then Aiden Fish, of course, like going from manager to walk-on to scholarship guy, scoring the bucket against Cuse. Dude, now sending, I, hear, I hear this kid getting NIL deals on, t- on the radio the other day. As he should. <laughs> as he should. Local guy, Murraysville product. KJ Marshall being the fun and the funk and the voice of, you know, the off-the-scene stuff for Pitt, you know, doing yeah. the handshakes and stuff. Like – Everybody had a role on this team. Everybody fulfilled it well. Everybody was glad to fill it as well. Yeah. There were no there this truly was like in the non-cliche way, the most non-cliche way I could say it, there were actually no egos on this team. Which made That's which made it even more special to cover. Unbelievable. And they were mature on and off the court. Mm-hmm. I think it was a, was another good thing that I saw and uh you know, as somebody that has family that interacts with the players on on a professional basis, you know, working down there, they're, they're always really respectful in the community too. Just great people for real. We're going to miss some of these seniors for real. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about another senior man, Nino Bonacorsi. Mm. He wins the NCAA wrestling championship. What do you think of that, man? 197 pound Pitt's first national champion. Since Keith Gavin did it, his coach, his current coach, the guy that's been with him for 15 years. Crazy. Pitt's first national champion in fifth, for that long. I mean, he's been around Keith for 15 years, being kind of as a, as a youth wrestler in this area. But we think Nino won this tournament, okay? Going as the one seed, first of all, undefeated, 21-0, undefeated national champion. He wins the first by major decision, 10-1. Then he goes in decision 8-2, decision 5-3, decision 10-4, then that national championship. He wins that by decision over Tanner Sloan, 5-3 of uh, San Diego State, of course. And, you know, it's kind of funny how things work on my end because I actually did an, an interview with Nino basically during basketball season, but because Pitt was doing so well and then makes the NCAA tournament, 
I was going to write the story on him and then the story just kind of, I don't want to say evaporated because I will have something on him on the site, but it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And, right. you know, I, I like to say that Nino, you know, he was fueled by the fact that I slided him on the story, but that's neither here nor there. But no, in, in a serious tone, in a serious tone now. <laughs> um, getting to know him, like he's so proud of being able to put on a pit singlet and do it for his hometown, Bethel Park hit again. Like he grew up wrestling around here. He never won like a major championship as a high schooler in, in Pennsylvania. This was a true story of like going to stay home, going to develop. He's a big wrestling family. He lost his first ever NCAA final match. Like then he just comes back and goes undefeated this season. Like an unbelievable. I watched the match too back. We were out, you know, having dinner on Saturday night last night. And while Nino was wrestling and we pop open our phones to put on ESPN to watch the match yeah. and the way that he was able to win it. Like he was, he was in control after that. He, he went down Oh three. Okay. And then he found w- ways to get back in control. Like wrestling in those matches are all about Matt control, Matt spacing, Matt knowledge, of course, studying and knowing your opponent's tendencies and the way that Nino was able to come back from that Oh three and just find different ways to lock him up, to get him down, to, like shift his body around like the way that Nino's able to shift his body around and he's so strong at doing it. You have to have a certain athletic ability to wrestle. And that's why, you know, these wrestlers are all just amazing athletes when you look at them, but then you get them in on that mat and you get them to, to go against somebody else. And that's when you really find out. And this guy was just able to kill it all year. And, and a huge congrats goes to Nino for that championship. It's pretty incredible, man. Uh, we we had met when we started doing this podcast to kind of like let basketball just happen in the background, talk about it. But we were going to talk a lot more about the the uh, the winter sports and basketball just took over. This team kind of just drug everything in that direction, and we have time limits here, so <laughs> can only get so much in. But you have been covering at least in writing so i do hope people are following you on dk pittsburgh sports make sure you check out everything Corey writes and get his reactions to things on there a heck of a lot faster than waiting for this show to come out sometimes <laughs> but uh we appreciate you uh subscribing and liking make sure you keep doing that on spotify and listen to us on dk pittsburgh sports it's been a fun ride Corey. thank you for taking it with me and uh we'll be back next week talking about probably some spring football huh Oh, you bet we will be. We're, we're going back into the UPMC Rudy Sports Complex like this week. The spring game's April 16th. Football season never ends, so we'll get back on that right away. But, Gary, appreciate you. Appreciate those listening. Appreciate those that read and, and follow along with me on this journey. You know, this is a passion project in some ways for myself, too. You know, every writer would say that about themselves. And, yes. um, and being able to follow this this basketball team around, like you said, we thought at the beginning of the year, this would be a, a chore sometimes to talk about, Yep. but it became a lot of fun and it became a really cool story for, for this season, for this university, for this team, for these players and Jeff Capel, of course, and we'll see where this takes them next year. So Gary, appreciate you. Thank you. And we're back on to football. Yeah. Hey, one last time for this basketball season, H2P. 